Hello and welcome to The Positive Cynic. I'm Becky, by nature. I'm a glass half empty kind of person, but I'm trying to become more positive, talking to people about things they love that can make us feel better. Today, I'm asking, what's the thing with bling? You know, I couldn't wear Mickey Mouse jewellery, I have to wear the proper stuff. I'm talking to people who love it. Gemologist and founder of Gem X, Heidi Garnett, art historian, Dr. Lydia Hansel, and the king of bling, Dart's own Bobby George. It's an image thing for me, to be honest with you, doll. I wore the jewellery and the diamonds and all that, and I got a name through wearing it. Mr Glitter, Bobby Dazzler. As a child, I used to spend hours staring at the Elizabeth Duke jewellery around the £10 mark in the Argos catalogue. What stops me engaging with jewellery today? Is it a self-righteous feminist sense that I shouldn't wear any? Or not wanting a small child to unwittingly garrote me as they give me a cuddle? I wear it when I work. So when I have to put the jewellery on, I know I've got to go out to work. (laughs) I spoke to Bobby down the line in his busy home with his wife Marie. It was back in the late 70s that this charismatic and colourful character first exploded on the dart scene winning tournaments and becoming the first player to average over 100 on television, and the first to use walk-on music and to make a grand entrance bedecked with jewels, cloak and candelabra. I thought I'd wear the glitter shirts and all that, and then I started with the jewellery. So it's more theatrical, and people copy you then. If they want to dress up as Bobby Jules, they have all jewellery around their neck and on their hands. So it's an image I've got through the darts wearing the jewellery. But I'll I'll wear a Mickey Mouse watch when I'm out in the fields and I don't wear rings when I'm doing anything on the fields, cutting trees down, doing pumps. It can be dangerous, so I don't wear me me, me rings or jewellery when I'm at home, basically. Will they convince me, the positive cynic, that there's anything in bling? Everyone who puts on jewellery is expressing something about themselves. If jewellery reflects who we are, then I'm a blank canvas, I suppose. Heidi Garnett is the co-founder of Gem X a private social club for jewellery enthusiasts, founded in New York City. It started from a desire to experience and understand the stories behind the jewels. There are so many amazing gems, there's so many great stories and interesting history and cool designers, and it does just have a way of sucking people in. Is jewellery something to be owned? A display of wealth? Or is it something to show subservience, to show that you have a certain place? It's just not very comfortable. So if you had that amount of jewellery that I got and you wasn't used to it, you wouldn't be able to wear it because you can feel it on your arms around your neck, but you get used to it after a time. I think it's better for me, I've always done it, so it's always better for me to have the jewellery on because people say, I like that ring, or that's a nice bracelet, oh, that's a Rolex, you got that. It's a talking point, but if I never went in front of the people and talked and play dolls, I wouldn't wouldn't wear a doll, to be quite honest with you. My fears are that rather than being something to share, to make people feel good, joy reinforces the divisions, the contrast between rich and poor. I I was born in the eastern of London, so I know the rules. How scary and dangerous is it to wear expensive jewellery? You can't, you've got to be careful, obviously, but they wouldn't take it off me very easy, unless they've got a gun or something and they can have the lot. Uh, dear. I never really think about it, though. You know, if you thought about getting robbed every time you went out, you wouldn't go out, would you? You wouldn't mix with people. And you know, I've always done it, and I've never had no aggravation yet. I know there'll always be a first time, but at the moment I've been lucky. But I always normally have people with me. And when I'm at the venues, I have minders with me. 
so it's more difficult to get at me and nick me jewelry as such. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. I mean, I've heard some people say, you know, if you, you have some like really amazing jewelry and you wear it out and about, no one will steal it from you because they won't think it's real. I've got a bracelet I think is really nice. It's, uh, it's 18 karat gold. It's really, it's really chunky, but I had it made and they made it like a Rolex strap. You know, like on a Rolex watch, the strap. They made that and they had a, a like a bridge in the middle and they covered it all in like diamonds and it it's really pretty. When you're on the stage, it looks like a light bulb on my wrist. That's my probably favorite bit. Bobby is joined by wife Marie who pops up with a couple of her own pearls of wisdom. They have to have the best. <laughs> he won't just have any rubbish jewellery. You know, it looks tacky, but it ain't. <laughs> I'm so interested to hear that for you, it's part of your public persona and not something you'd wear in private. I don't know if you've heard about the rapper Lil Uzi Vert. He's had a pink diamond worth $24 million implanted into his forehead. How do you feel about that? He had it planted in his forehead? Yes, like a piercing. Uh, well, that's new. New, isn't it? I don't think I'll do that, though, to be honest with you. Do you think that takes it too far? Why does he want to spend $24 million on something that it's not good? It, he obviously, he didn't make that money by wearing it in the middle of his head, so... You probably got too much money to worry about what he spends it on. But I can't, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't have earrings either, or things from my nose, or from my tongue. I don't, I don't really go a lot on that, to be honest with you. What's all the fuss about diamonds and gold? Is it about status, storytelling, showmanship? I can't help being horrified by the display of wealth and the expense. Surely there are better things we could put the money towards. Does it matter if it's real? What's the problem with things being Mickey Mouse? For Bobby, the theatrical display of a coat can be Mickey Mouse, but not a ring that he'd wear on his finger or a bracelet on his wrist. It was during Bobby's time on the real Marigold Hotel, visiting Jaipur, that he first encountered the jewels of the Maharaja. They're like the king or the queen of certain parts of India. They wear a long like a jacket, but it's a long jacket, a real long one, like past your knees. And it's covering all diamonds and, and beads, and it's really pretty, gold lace. Well, I see it in a case, they had it in a case, what the, the certain king wears. And I said to the guy, I want one of them, can you make me one of them? Obviously, you didn't use your new proper diamonds, obviously, but I had it all made, and it's... When, you, when I go on the stage with it, it really does glitter. It's really, it's a lovely bit of work. There's a lot of work in it. All the, all the gold, sewn with gold strips, and it's really pretty. So I wear that to walk on the stage sometimes. Do you think it matters if the diamonds are real? Well, that amount, you'd be, yeah, it costs millions to have a, a coat like that. You know, you're just ridiculous amount. So if it made, it wasn't so expensive, but it, I use it for a prop. It's not to say this is all new, all diamonds, the old, like, have 300 diamonds of it. Right, they're about three carats each. So, 
costs a fortune it would but i just wear it occasionally for um the fun people like to see it like you know, that's pretty especially the ladies like it some of the other darts players took a lot of convincing when bobby started appearing in his jewels three-time world champion john lowe in particular well everyone's got their own opinion john lowe didn't like the theatrical and the circus type and the bling and I, and I started the music. I, I was the first one to do the Balkan music and um, asked the Beeb and uh, they said, yeah, yeah, that's be nice, yeah. And I asked the Beeb and they said, okay. So I had Balkan music and everyone was singing to it and every, you know, it was really party time. And the other players, a lot of them didn't like it because they probably never thought of it, but I changed the game so it's more entertaining. It's not boring, like walking on with a T-shirt or something. Lowy didn't like it. I mean, obviously he likes it now, because he said, oh, because he's, he's wore that coat, put it on or a cloak. So he never done that 30, 40 years ago. He wouldn't have done that. I think he realised now what I'd done. I didn't know I was going to make darts change that much. I just done it because I just thought, well, I might as well. It was boring walking on. They say, and so and so, Bobby Jules, and he bought one, people clap, nothing else. If you've got a music, they all can get involved, especially if it's a good music and they know the words and all that, and everyone gets involved in it. I've done that, I didn't really realise what I was doing, but I'm glad I've done it because every time I watch the darts, even on telling, they come on with the walk on music. I think, well, I started there, it's a good thing. I'm not a jewellery person and I don't really get it. But I do understand that people should do the things that bring them joy and happiness. What is all the fuss about diamonds? Essentially, they're just carbon, just compressed over many years, aren't they? Art historian Dr Lydia Hansel. I don't know. Is it the sparkle? Is it the fact that you are deeply loved because you have a massive one? Is it because you've got a very, very ethical one? I think you blame De Beers for that. There was a surplus of diamonds in South Africa, I think and they had to find a way to sort of shift them, and they had to find a way to make them elitist and exclusive, and that seems to have stuck. Why do we care if it's real? My sister got engaged last year. She's a doctor, so she couldn't really wear her ring very much. Her boyfriend proposed to her with stones, and she showed them to me, and I was like, oh, lovely, they're lovely diamonds. And she was like, I mean, they're not. And they were cubic zirconia. And she was like, yeah, because it doesn't make any sense. We want to save money for our house, and, and they're beautiful, and they look like diamonds. And she's very different to me, but I just was, I had so much respect for this. I was like, but why are they pretending to be diamonds? Like, why are these crystal stones pretending? To, she was like, they're not, Lydia. You've just decided that they're diamonds. And so you're appalled that they're not. And she thought it was really sort of lovely because he's a geologist and found a perfectly perfect place to mine them from. And I was like, you need to get your act together, Lydia. Do semi-precious stones sometimes have the same cachet as Precious stones. Moissanite is a replica of a diamond. Like you can create jewelry with it and it looks pretty real and legit. And I think every now and then there can be this little bit of snobbery and fine jewelry where it's like, well, you have to have a natural diamond. And, you know, like if you want a cool diamond necklace, you can make it with moissanite too. I mean, where's the harm in that? If it looks pretty and you like it and it is a fraction of the price. That's fantastic. And to your point, you'll feel more comfortable traveling with it or wearing it out because you don't have to, you know, you won't have to be checking on it all the time because you're worried about it. You know, my husband for ages was like, I can't afford it. So 
I was like, well, here's a ring from my grandmother. You know, it has no sentimental value to me. Trade it in, get some cash, go shopping. And actually, I wish I could be the kind of woman who was like, it doesn't matter. I'm slightly horrified by the fact that maybe there's a value that I attach to this huge commitment that we're making. And I've never really said it out loud, but I, I guess I am that woman that actually I needed something expensive to make it seem real and worthwhile. When De Beers said diamonds are forever, they created a whole mythology. It wasn't until 1949 that the song Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend became popular. But the more I think about that, the more troubling it is. Why should jewellery be gendered? I think there's something about society and there's something about the, the mythology of getting engaged. But I'm really appalled that I feel like that. I'm really appalled that there was something slightly transactional. And that if my husband had proposed with something a bit rubbish, I think I might have, I wouldn't have said no, but I would have been resentful. And I don't know what that says about me. Bad things. Well, I say all my rings are wedding rings because my wife buys them for me. There are a combination of factors that have sort of given them that cachet. I mean, some of it is history, certainly marketing, scarcity. I mean, I think a simple, the simple economics of it. But also, it's not like you take this huge diamond out of the ground and it's a cut stone. I mean, it's a rock. Whoever buys that has to work with a cutter and polisher and they have to sort of polish in what's called a window. These are objects that grow in nature. They often have, you know, inclusions. They could have a break inside of the stone. They could have another smaller stone that's grown inside because of the natural way that they've grown within the earth. Gems, they're like trees in many ways. They're just below ground and will withstand a lot of different elements. They're scarce and it's rare to find a huge piece of rough, which is the unpolished stone that you can actually polish and cut down into a large quality, beautiful diamond. I can totally see that it's nice to look at pretty things, but that's where my fascination ends. I couldn't really continue the conversation too far, unless it becomes an ethical one. In my mind, it's not right that in the crown jewels, there are some of the most beautiful, amazing gems from some of the poorest countries in the world. I think that's extremely hard. And I think it's something that curators, and that's not a cop out, but it's something that curators are going to have to attend to and they're going to have to address. The patronising idea that you give half of the Benin bronzes back because what? They're part of the British Museum. How do you interrupt the history of a collection? in order to give individual objects back, because there would be no collections anymore across the globe. And I know that there's a sort of National Museum of Africa in Senegal, which is this huge state-of-the-art building, basically waiting for its objects to come back. Quite rightly, these, these need to be restituted. You're going to have to look at everything. And I think the problem is we're seeking a global answer for something that can only be done on an individual basis. And however far museums go, I don't think it will ever be far enough in the eyes of people who quite rightly view that their cultural patrimony has been ripped from them because it's never going to be far enough. Seems like jewellery is so much about history, about legacy, about ethics. Who owns things or are we owned by wearing it? So my great-grandmother was independently very wealthy and got divorced in the 30s, which was kind of completely unheard of, unbeknownst to us until she died in the 90s. She spent huge amounts of money in Cartier, just on her own, and bought herself this sort of astonishing collection of jewellery. And quite a lot of it was sold when I was really young. But then when my grandmother died, a lot of it came to us, well, not a lot of it, but the rest of it came to us. And so I have this amazing peridot fluttering dragonfly with ruby eyes and like a little diamond tail. 
And it's a beautiful thing. It's just so unfashionable and so weird. It's a brooch. And I pinned it to a navy jacket and just sort of couldn't really leave the house. I have no idea how much it's worth, but it was extraordinary. And I should have felt really powerful. And I should have felt this is amazing. But I felt actually quite conspicuous and quite like I shouldn't have it, actually. And I don't know if it's because it didn't suit me or because I just thought it was a bit mad. But yeah, it didn't feel empowering. It felt like, oh, my God, I'm walking around and someone's going to break it or steal it. But was that because it's not actually mine that I bought with my own money? I don't know. Or maybe I just didn't like it very much. There aren't a lot of family heirlooms in my house. But the one piece of jewellery was treated with such care and fear that it might break that we were barely allowed to look at it. Where does reverence for the past become fear of engaging with it and fear of moving forward into the present? Apart from the most fragile museum pieces, jewellery's meant to be worn, isn't it? Well, if you worry about losing it or breaking it, don't buy it. You buy a pair of shoes, the soles could come off. You still buy a pair of shoes, wouldn't you? If you like something, wear it, or if it's handed down from your mother or grandmother or your brother or your your daughter brought it, then every time you look at that jewellery, you think of the person that's brought it for you. So it's like a memory thing, jewellery. People have their mother's jewellery and they always think of their mum. I say, well, that's nice. That was my mother's, they say. It's not, say, because it's worth money, you hand it down. I give mine to my grandchildren, I will. So they always remember me then, won't they? Do you have anything that's handed down from anyone in your family to you? Only, only debt. Oh. <laughs> no, that's a joke, darling. <laughs> only bills. That's what I get. I, I, everyone leaves me bills. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never had nothing yet. No, um, my dad never wore jewellery, nor my mum didn't. So uh, they never, they didn't have nothing anyway, so they couldn't leave me nothing. The, the thing for me anyway is sort of knowing how they're made and what has happened to them over time and what interventions we've staged as humans. They've sort of got this entire history from coming out of the workshop to wherever they are today. Yeah, people, so a, lot, a lot of people say, look at, look at that, look at mine, there's my ring, what do you think of that? I said, well, just keep saving your money. Or melt it down. Or melt it down and, get some, and make a better one. You know, just, yeah, they're interested in the, in the glitter and the... They love it. They love it. They do love it. If I never wore it, they would, they'd be disappointed. But they, they like, I'm show you gold in a picture, you know, put your hand around me and or on my shoulder, show you gold. They'll, they'll always say that. They like, they, they love it, they do. So that's why I wear it. For Dr. Lydia Hansel, the history of the object is key. But for Bobby, the history doesn't matter. It's about making future. It's about the here and now. I don't think they've convinced me to wear anything. But they've certainly made me think about the stories behind what we wear and that there can be genuine pleasure. Every day's Christmas Day for me, Doc. <laughs> and I always say to everyone who talks to me about darts, may the darts be with you. <laughs> my thanks to my guests, Bobby George, Heidi Garnett and Dr Lydia Hansel. Carry on but don't get me a necklace for Christmas. I'd prefer a decent set of headphones. You've been listening to me, Becky Mills, on The Positive Cynic. If you'd like to find out more, you can follow us on Twitter, at Cynic Audio, or send us an email, positivecynicaudio at gmail.com. Till next time. Music.